Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. this evening, I'm sure on many of your minds has been what's been on my mind as this week, you know, this time after Christmas starts to unfold and we begin to think about the new year. We think about the new possibilities. There's something about the change of the calendar. Yeah, it is just another day, but something in us says it's not just another day. When we turn that calendar, something rises up in us, a hope that maybe, just maybe, it can be different. Maybe this can be a different season. Maybe things that have been in the past can be no longer. Maybe those things that we've longed for, we've hoped for, could become a reality in this next season. But it gets at us, and there's this scary question at the heart of it all, can things really be different? And part of us says, yes, absolutely. That's what rises up with this inclination to have New Year's resolutions, right? That we think about, okay, what is it that we want to have be different this year? You know, and many of the top ones are commonly the same. This year, the surveys apparently are saying that improved fitness is actually the number one resolution. And, and that, that's not uncommon to be in the top few, but it's number one this year. Actually, above mental health, which was number one last year, mental health slipped to third. Because we want improved finances between our physical fitness and our mental health. Fourth would be to lose weight. Fifth would be to be an improved diet, right? And, And we could keep going. And you may have thought of things in your own life. Maybe it wasn't a resolution per se. Maybe it was an intention or a word for the year. And, and really all of these are positive things, or at least can be positive. But we also know that, I mean, you probably are familiar at least with the general trajectory of New Year's resolutions. You know, how many folks actually keep a a resolution? You know, the reality is that on average, one of the current surveys that I saw, on average said that a resolution will last about 3.74 months. Now, actually, that was a lot longer than I thought. You know, so I really, maybe I'm a pessimist here, (laughs) had a little less faith in humanity, but, you know, 8% of folks bail out within the first month, another 22% bail out in the second month, another 22% bail out in the third month, 13% bail out in the fourth month. And so by the end of the fourth month, we're already at 65% out. Can things really be different? Can it really be different than it has been in the past? Is it only possible to have it be different if you're in the 9% that keep the resolution 
through the year? Does it mean that only those who have the incredible willpower are destined to have a different future? Only those with the incredible drive and discipline can see through and make something different come about? Certainly, the hope that we come back to week in and week out, day in and day out with our God and through the message of the Scripture throughout time and history and our own lives is that absolutely things can be different. But but maybe not in the ways that we wanted. And maybe not how we envision it coming about. And so we're going to jump into this tonight through the lens of Romans chapter 12. I invite you, if you'd like, to follow along on the screen to, to go for it. But this is, this is God's word for us today. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And let's pray as we move into this word together. Heavenly Father, in these moments, we want to hear from you. That's why we're here. And so we invite you to speak. God, we want to hear, but we also confess that sometimes we want to hear what we want to hear. And so in these moments, we invite you to speak and also ask for the grace to hear, to hear what you would say, to internalize what you would say, to be shaped by your presence in our lives tonight. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Paul has set out here kind of the the beginnings or or the starting place of God's, God's picture and plan for our lives. But if you noticed... As he lays it out, he begins with the word, therefore. (laughs) And therefore is a very loaded word. Whenever you see that, you should be kind of going, huh, well, what is he referring to? Because he's clearly coming to some sort of conclusion, or at least he's been building on some sort of argument. The reality is, he's been building on the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. And so we don't exactly have time to review all of the things that he's been basing this on. But as he's turning toward what does it look like to live the life that God intends for us, he is basing it on basically 11 chapters of what God has done for us. 
As we start thinking about how we can live for the way God has intended for us, he's saying, reflect deeply on everything that God has done for you, and this then will be the natural result. Well, what's the result? Is it a series of resolutions? No. Is it, is it a self-help program? It's not. You know, we, and we have a real love fascination with self-help in America. We really do. I mean, there's all sorts of plans available. I mean, you, the folks on Instagram are becoming huge successes because they're becoming influencers in this life hacking culture. So they're giving all this incredible guidance, whether it's founded or not, is kind of irrelevant, but they'll give you medical advice, they'll give you skincare advice, they'll give you whole workout plans, and, and not all of these plans and programs and hacks are created equal, that's for sure. But man, there's a lot of opportunities. And people become incredibly successful, or at least Instagram famous, because of offering these pathways to self-actualization. That's really what it's about. This is a plan, a help improvement project, so you can have the life that you want. And don't get me wrong, it's not bad to have help and guidance and counsel. It's not bad to have goals. It's not bad at all to have things in your life that you're saying, this probably isn't the best. Paul says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is a spiritual act of worship. Now, on one hand, this is a call to physical stewardship of our bodies. In the Christian faith, the body matters. The body's not an afterthought. Sometimes we think about, the, oh, the real goal is heaven. It's really, we leave this shell of a body and we just, you know, we're going to get to heaven, so we don't need to think about this body. Well, actually, the body really matters, and in Christian faith, it might be the only faith where it truly matters, because your body will be a resurrected body. It will have material substance to it. It will be different than it is now, but it still matters. And Paul's saying, offer your body as this living sacrifice. Well, are we going to offer a sacrifice that's one that's worth giving? Or is it a sacrifice that is kind of an afterthought? And so part of what's built in here is an invitation to consider the way we care for our bodies is actually an expression of our relationship with God. And so to have a plan to have nutrition on board, to have folks that guide us in terms of our physical care and well-being. All of those are really positive things. They are. And so I'm not knocking the entire movement of the, the New Year's resolution hype. I'm just grounding it in what is it for because Paul also has this warning elsewhere that says, he's saying that physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, right? So physical training has value. Caring for our bodies has value. It can be a part of your worship. That's what Paul just said. And it's got limited value. But godliness, this idea of being transformed that he's getting into, that has value in every facet of every part of your life today, in the present, and for eternity. So, where do we go? 
Well, Paul's saying, okay, so offer your body as this living sacrifice. But as you're going to do this, as you're going to offer your body and your whole self, be careful that the offering that you're going to make to God is one that's worthy of God, which is why he then says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. And so what is, this, what is he getting at? Actually, this word for, for do not conform might actually be better understood as do not be conformed, or actually even maybe one step more, do not conform yourself to the pattern of this world. Paul's warning these followers of Jesus to not, to not actively conform themselves to what they see in the world around them. And this idea of conforming yourself has this, this visual of like uh, being formed by a mold, being pressed into shape. When I was in college, one of the the fun things that I got to do in the engineering school at the University of Colorado was eventually they allowed me to play with the hydraulic press, which, if you don't know what this is, I mean, it's this giant, basically, machine that just squishes things, right? And it's got thousands of pounds of pressure that it applies. And, and so, of course, we were very responsible in our usage of the press. And we needed to experiment on you know, the, the press's capabilities. And so, you know, we of course would put, you know, plastic things in there and pencils and pens. And, you know, then we put, you know, bars of metal that were hollow or solid. You know, a soda can is an amazing thing to behold when it um, is pressed under thousands of pounds of pressure, right? So it's this amazing pressure that crushes these things. Well, forging is this process of shaping something based on incredible pressure. I've actually got a picture of one of these presses that is forging this. You can see this piece of metal, right, that is, it's got varying size dimensions to it, right? And that's because at the left side, the press is squeezing that metal into this smaller and smaller shape. And this happens to be an open press, and so it would probably press and then rotate and press and rotate and press and, pre and rotate and press and rotate, and it would just keep happening until the desired shape is achieved. But there's a, another type of, of press, or another type of die, actually, that is kind of like a, a Play-Doh mold, right? It's like where you've got two pieces that form the two halves of the thing that you're trying to create, and you squish the metal between it. So in the next picture, you've got this piece up top that was formed in a press with this closed die. So you can see the shape of the piece. You can see just the basic premise is that this block of metal goes into the, and this incredible amount of pressure squeezes it into the shape that comes out. When Paul is warning us to not conform ourselves to the pattern of this world, this is what he's envisioning. We are squeezing ourselves into a shape that we weren't intended to be in. And when he says, don't be conformed, he's saying, don't let anybody else conform you to this pattern of the world. But when he says, do not conform yourself. <laughs> There's a lot of self-inflicted 
conformity. A lot of self-inflicted pressure and squeezing into the shape. And so Paul is concerned that the shape we're going to end up in is not the shape of Jesus, the way that he intends us to be and how he intends our lives to, to look and to function, but that in our efforts... In our resolutions, in our goals, in our self-help, we're going to seek to be squeezed and conformed and into some other shape. Specifically, he's concerned about the patterns of this world. What does he mean? What does he mean by the patterns of this world? I mean, there's a, a number of patterns that are at play that Paul would have been concerned about. I mean, one of the patterns that he was constantly concerned about throughout the book of Romans, he set a whole foundation because uh, he was concerned about the pattern that ties worth and value to achievement. Incredibly concerned. He was concerned that really there's a pattern in the world and kind of within our sinful human nature to say, hey, the people who are the most important the most valuable are those who produce the most, who are those who achieve the most. And it's amazing when we hear about this as like a pattern being put on us, we're like, oh, that's silly. But how often do you do it to yourself? How often are you conforming yourself to this pattern? Where essentially we kind of do this internal uh, analysis and, and we go, okay, how good do I feel about myself today? Good, bad, otherwise? Well, why is that? Oh, because I, I failed again. Oh, because I stuck my foot in my mouth. Oh, I had that embarrassing conversation. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. I haven't reached the goals that I set out to reach. I haven't, I haven't really accomplished anything with my life. I haven't. And so, you know, I just feel, ugh. I think this is one of the big ones that we conform ourselves to. And, and we do it in our relationship with God, too, is the problem. And we start feeling like I, I'm more or less lovable based on how good or I wasn't good with God this week or today or whatever the time period is. And so I'm no longer lovable. I'm no longer valuable because I didn't achieve at the level that God expects me to achieve at. This is a pattern that Paul's saying, don't squeeze yourself into that mold. Because that, that's a whole lot of pressure. Oh, and it's going to crush you. Because you're going to ride this wave of self-worth and self-loathing and self-doubt and self-affirming. You're going to be on these highs of pride and arrogance and lows of despair. And, and it, it's just going to crush you. So don't conform to this pattern. It's not working. There's another pattern that, that Paul would have been very concerned about as well that he also wrote about in the first part of Romans. This pattern that says, God loves you, his grace is for you, so you're perfect just the way you are. Do whatever you want that makes you happy. See, there were actually people in the Roman church that said, anything goes because God's grace is that amazing. So this pattern we see playing out in our own time no one should tell you to change. That's none of their business anyway. They should keep their nose in their own stuff. 
And, and you know what? You should only change if you feel like changing. If you think that that's going to make you happy, then you go for it. And whatever that change is, go for it. Nobody should stand in your way. And, and Paul understood that the reality is that that wasn't leading to flourishing. It was leading to lives and patterns of continual destruction, leading to amazing amounts of uncertainty, amazing amounts of looking back with regret and frustration and doubt. I mean, I think if you've ever examined in your own life a choice and a something you've done in your past and you just still kind of have that feeling in your stomach of, oh man. Like in the moment, it may have been fantastic. It may have been the thing that made you happiest. But maybe in the long run, it, it isn't really working. And so Paul's saying, this pattern of, of anything goes isn't working either because God knows what's going to bring flourishing. He knows what's going to bring healing. He knows what's going to bring the, um, the actual security we need. And so don't just, don't just let it all go in the wind. Don't just follow whatever feels good in the moment. There's a better way. And, and there's other patterns that we could probably name, we could figure out. And these patterns of self-improvement that seem to be all around us. These patterns of intense busyness, which I think are really tied into the first two deeper patterns within us as we're trying to seek, can life be different? Sure, but I got to do it better or I got to just reject this whole system and I got to do it the way that I want that makes me feel good. So much is tied up in these two kind of fundamental patterns that are around us. And Paul's saying, man, God's got something different he doesn't have resolutions. He doesn't have more effort. He has something categorically different altogether. Do not conform yourself to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed. Well, what does he mean? He means it's something new altogether. Transformation is something that goes from one state and becomes something else. Right? It's to be transformed. It's... It, the, the classic illustration, right, is the, that we all recognize is the, the caterpillar to the butterfly, right? That that's the transformation process. It's still the same, right? It's still the same creature, and yet it's completely different. It has different power, different ability, different form, different possibilities. And this is what Paul is saying. Not just can life be different for you, perhaps in this limited way or that limited way. He said it can be completely different with a whole new power and a whole new set of possibilities that you can't even really imagine. It's hard to imagine that the caterpillar really knew what it was like to be a butterfly. And yet, that's the picture. And so he's saying, be transformed. Oh, wait. <laughs> be transformed is different than transform yourself, isn't it? We spend a lot of effort trying to transform ourselves, a lot of work into you know, modifying our behavior, modifying what's going on inside of us. The thing is, we can put a lot of control on our outward behaviors, and we can put a lot of constraints on them, and we can have a lot of discipline, but the reality is, we can't do a lot of changing our heart, can we? 
And that's what transformation really requires. Something at the internal essence and core of us to be transformed. Not that we are rejected altogether, no, but we are truly who we are supposed to be in the midst of that transformation. Pulled out of all the patterns that aren't working into this new way of possibility that leads to a freedom and an openness. But to be transformed is a passive statement, isn't it? I mean, somebody else has to be the active one doing the transforming. Who's the active one? The Holy Spirit. The God himself is the, is the primary actor in your transformation. Man, th- hear that. The Holy Spirit is the primary actor in your transformation, which means it is not dependent on you. That's good news. That's good news. Because you might be a total failure. Oh, and guess what? You are. So am I. And I can try really hard to be more patient. And I should try. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. And I can try real hard to be gentle and to be kind. And I should. And that's who we're made to be because it reflects more and more of who Jesus is. And yet, I can't accomplish it on my own, but I don't have to because he's the one that's doing the work in me. He's the one who is doing the work in you. To be transformed is not your responsibility, but it is an expectation in your life. And it is in my life too. So what's our role? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is what Paul said. The renewing of your mind. What we think about matters, doesn't it? Matters a lot. The things that you come back to, the things that I come back to, they reveal a lot of things, but they also shape things within us, don't they? The things we think about reveal what our deepest priorities are, You know, if our thoughts don't happen to come back to God, then we should make ourselves wonder for a moment, how important is God to me? Because I think the most important things in my life come back to mind without having to consciously set an alarm to say, hey, come back. The people you care about most deeply, you probably don't have to remind yourself, oh yeah, care about them. And think about them occasionally. So this is inviting us to, the thoughts that we have reveal the truth of what's most important to us, what in that moment is ruling over us, perhaps, because we keep coming back to it, and if we keep coming back to it, then it has us captive, whether or not we're actually doing something about it or not. This is the reality of the, the, the mind that gets wrapped up in worry, isn't it? Because the thing I'm worrying about rules me which is why Jesus was more, more concerned about it. He said, you know, don't, don't worry. It wasn't just because, hey, worry is bad. No, because worry rules us, and it's not a kind king or queen. It abuses us. And so th- our thoughts reveal a whole lot, but our thoughts also shape us deeply. That we know this physiologically, You know, there's lots of research that demonstrates how 
the thoughts that we have actually carve out grooves in our brain, like there are electrical currents, electrical pathways that become these super highways for our thinking. And so the things that we think about get grooved, literally. And so when we find ourselves stuck in these old patterns, it's probably because we've been thinking these old patterns and we've continued to think these old patterns. I'm only worth something if I do something, only worth something if I do something, only worth something if I do something. Oh, I've got to figure out what's going to make me happiest. I've got to figure out what's going to make me free. I've got to figure it out. I've got to figure it out. I've got to figure it out. And we create these pathways in our brain. And so Paul was so ahead of his time when he was saying, renew your mind. Put new stuff in there. Put stuff that is true that will change the pattern of thinking in your life. There was a season in my life where I was just so crushed with the anxiety I was carrying day in and day out. And it was so tied to that pattern of the world that says you've got to perform to be valuable. So tied to it. And it was tied to it where I was working at the time. It was tied to it with my family, with my marriage. It was tied in so many ways. And it came to a place in my life where it felt like I was being pressed with a forge in my chest. I could feel the conformity to the pattern of the world. And so one of the things that for me was so helpful to break free in that season was this intentional pattern of renewing my mind. Where each morning, the first thoughts that I would get up with, rather than allowing them to go to the old pathways of thinking, I would grab onto the scripture, I would grab onto something that was true from the Bible, and I would groove that as a new thought, and I would repeat it, 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 and I know that sounds repetitive. It was. But that's the point. It's about grooving new pathways. It was about renewing my mind with something that was true, the reality that I'm way worse than I actually think I am, because that's true, and I'm way more loved than I actually could possibly imagine, because that's true too. That's the reality of Everything that Paul had said for the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is you are more sinful than you really want to have to deal with. <laughs> but guess what? That means that's how big the love of God is for you. Because he sent his son Jesus to take on all of your sin and failure and brokenness, your conformity to the patterns of the world, you're conforming yourself to these lines of thinking that aren't working for you. He came to take it all and crucify, crush it on a cross so that you could be loved, so that his love could transform everything from the inside out where you no longer have to be burdened by the reality of what anybody else thinks about you or even what you think about yourself. How freeing would that be? To not even have to worry about what you think about yourself in the dark and quiet moments of the night. That's freedom. That's transformation. That's renewing of the mind. 
it's so much better than self-improvement that you might gain a little bit here and there, but this transformation will affect and transform every part of your life where you will walk with a freedom You'll focus with a new discipline, not because if you don't, life is going to fall apart, but because you want to see the patterns that God wants for you to become a reality in your life. It will transform everything. Because he's going to do that work of transformation in you. There was a, a missionary in Africa, famous missionary, Dr. Livingston. And at one point, he was passing through the Kalahari Desert, and he was welcomed by one of the indigenous tribes, one of the chiefs in particular, it was named Sakomi. I'm sure I butchered that, but that's the way it goes. And at one point, they were together, Sakomi and Dr. Livingston. And Sakomi says to him, I wish you would change my heart. Give me medicine to change it, for, for my heart is proud, it is proud and angry. It is angry always. Man, and you can just hear in this, right? This is like, okay, what do I need to improve this year? I got to change my anger. I got anger problems and it's affecting my relationships. I got to change the way I communicate. I got to change some of the, but Dr. Livingston, all right, give me some medication to change this. And at that moment, Livingston lifted up his New Testament. And he was about to tell him, to tell him about the only way that the heart can be changed. By giving, right, giving over our failure and our brokenness, that he could take it and he could crush it, and in its place, he could fill us back up with his love and his acceptance and his, his value. But as he lifted it up and began to speak, the chief interrupted him and said, no, no, I wish to have it changed by medicine, to drink and have it changed at once, for it is always very proud and very uneasy and continually angry with someone. He then rose and went away. The invitation is not to some quick fixes. It's not to a medicine or a drink. It's not to a self-help and self-improvement project. The invitation in this new year is to a renewed mind, no longer being conformed to the patterns of this world, but in that renewal to be transformed by the God who loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are patterns at work in our lives where we conform, where we just continue to go along. Part of why we wonder if it can be different is because it hasn't changed in the past. It's because those patterns persist. So Lord, we confess our need for you to do that work of transformation, to free us. Lord, thank you that you promised to do so. May you show us how we can participate with the renewing of our mind, the truth of your word for us, that deep meditation and consideration in prayer on what is true and right and beautiful and lovely so that we can see a new way forward, a way where you give us a new heart, a new hope, a new possibility, a new power, where we are transformed day by day by day. In Jesus' name we pray.